when I was 25 and a half, I started a podcast. The goal? To review some of the newest and the latest movies, along with some other stuff. With the help of my guests, I was able to do this. But there were dark forces tampering with my podcast and with me. They called it an improvised podcast for some reason. I eventually found help in the form of myself. Yes, the me from a universe where the movies I reviewed got delayed. Apparently, my podcast made it to his universe. I know now that it is my duty, for the good of that universe, nay, the multiverse, to keep recapping and reviewing these movies, to hold listeners over until they could eventually see the movies as they were made in their world. For some reason, they come out differently in my world, but it's kind of entertaining that way. My name is Steven Schinder, and this is Delayed Replay. Hello, listeners. Welcome to another episode of Delayed Replay, that podcast where we recap slash review movies for people in our universe and that other universe where they haven't gotten some of them yet and they might come out differently. I'm your host, as usual, Stephen Schinder. And with me again, you heard him last time on the Kingsman episode. It is Greg. How are you doing, dude? I'm doing good, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Do you do that? Whatever you want yeah. to record. <laughs> have you ever seen Good Burger? <laughs> no, I have not. I'm for, a for dude. American He's for me. a dude. She's a dude because we're all dudes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude, dude can be used for anyone, really. Yeah, apparently Ted hates that movie, but um, <laughs> yeah, we mentioned it um a few times on the show because I guess it's just a staple or something. I don't know, but. It's really weird that I ended that sentence with dude. I totally was not expecting myself to say that. <laughs> it even scared yourself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it didn't scare me then, but it scared myself after. I don't know. Scares um, me now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have no idea where that's from at the moment, but yeah. Um, um, that's that's from the, uh, the Last Jedi, wasn't it? Oh shoot! You're right. Yeah, it's when Ray has that like darkness. Um, yeah, on the island. It's, it's like yeah, I've seen yeah. this darkness once before. <laughs> it didn't scare me then. It scares me now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, on this episode we're talking about the three five five. So this time it's an American spy movie. Um, just came out last weekend, as of when we're recording this. Uh, it came out January fifteenth. And, yeah, so this movie was directed by Simon Kimberg, and he also co-wrote it. Um, so this is his second movie that he's directed after Dark Phoenix, uh, you know, that X-Men movie. Um, yeah. Have you seen that one? I don't remember. I have, I've seen Dark Phoenix, and I'm probably one of the only few who actually enjoyed it, maybe just because of the spectacle. Yeah, like, when I watched it in the theater, I was like, they're going to reboot it for the MCU anyway, and the characters will be done better there, so I'll just enjoy this for what it is. And yeah, most of the younger cast should have been fleshed out more, but I thought they did a decent job with Jean Grey and the older cast of characters. And, like, the soundtrack by Hans Zimmer is, like, uh, probably my favorite x-men movie soundtrack and like it's parts of it are on my writing playlist um yeah, he's always good at everything he does yeah like even if a movie is like middle of the road or outright terrible like people could still enjoy the music that he provided well speaking of simon kimberg and star wars um <laughs> so <laughs> so uh Simon Kimberg apparently has had a hand in uh, some Star Wars stuff. Uh, I know he co-wrote several episodes of Star Wars Rebels. And, okay. Yeah, have you seen Rebels? Yeah, yeah, I have. They're very good. Like, I think he's also provided ideas for The Force Awakens, maybe? Um, let me just double-check that. Well, the idea to copy A New Hope. 
<laughs> no, I mean, I, I feel like that was probably a J.J. Abrams idea, but let me just see like what his credit for that was. Uh, so Force Awakens, he okay, he was a creative consultant, uh, and he got a thanks credit on that, and he also got a thanks credit on Rogue One. So they're basically like the story group that they have. Um. Well, I don't think he was a member of the Lucasfilm story group, but he I guess he, maybe he provided ideas that they ended up using. Um, I just love how on like Wikipedia for thanks credit, it has thanks in quotation marks as if it's like... Yes, I don't mean it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for giving this terrible idea that we ended up using. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, so uh, the 355... Um, so I don't know about you, but I did not watch the first 354 The movies. <laughs> so <laughs> I mean, it all started back in The. Like, The was... Oh, if you haven't seen The, I recommend it. Oh, yeah. I, I think I've only <laughs> seen The 55, but... Um, <laughs> it's a weird place to start off from, <laughs> right? Or the one hundred, um, but no. I have I seen the, I have seen the three hundred though. Oh, is that the one with the Spartans? Yeah, that was yeah. weird. That, yeah, that was yeah. <laughs> that was a weird spy thing, wasn't it? Like yeah. Spartans, but yeah, Spartan spy spies. Spartan. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but really, this is a standalone movie, um, and I actually. I actually have seen 300. I've not seen its sequel. I don't think. I, have. I can't remember anything. <laughs> All I remember was big ships. It was big ships and some weird old lady. Yeah, 300, <laughs> Rise of the Empire, whatever it was called. It looks yeah. like one of those movies where I, if I watch it, I'll probably forget it soon afterward. Yeah, I remember um, most movies, but yeah, I can't remember anything. Yeah, and uh, the 100 TV show I've never watched, so... Yeah, I've not seen that. Yeah, but anyway, uh, so the 355 gets... (laughs) um, So it's explained, um, and this comes from history, that they get the 355 codename from, like, this uh, female spy from the American Revolution. And it it was kind of a weird, like, 15-minute prologue where you see it from during the american revolution and it's like the camera is the spy so you never actually see her face what did you think of that story choice well we always seeing the um they always have these it's not like that's like a prequel thing but i know how they build it up of yeah. showing this is what like in the past this is what it's like now um it's been happening a lot recently, but I, I got behind it. It gave you some premise of like where they started. Yeah, I don't know. I just find these types of like first person perspective scenes funny because they remind me of that Skyrim meme, you know? <laughs> oh, when he's when, when you're on the <laughs> yeah, like like I've seen one where it's like imagine Elder Scrolls uh, Six opens up and you're sitting around a campfire and someone is like alright let me tell you the story and then it transitions to like the beginning of Skyrim when you're the person <laughs> you just up. play Skyrim all over again yeah <laughs> <That's all it laughs> oh man I'll have to see if I can find that meme again but <laughs> um, but yeah I thought this like American Revolution prologue was kind of cool like you got to see like uh, all these really cool fight scenes from like back in the day. Um, uh, of course, like people are making like those annoying sexist comments because you know it's <laughs> the American Revolution. Um, yeah. Like it kind of puts you in the perspective of like I guess pretending that you're the one like beating up all these uh, like enemy spies. Like it, I kind of got that feeling, which I thought was kind of cool. I also got um, Hardcore Henry vibes. Oh, yeah. I've seen the trailer for that, but I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, we saw it as part of the Sci-Fi and Horror Society, I think, like, two years ago, back when you actually watch in person. Oh, yeah. Greg yeah. is the president of the Sussex Sci-Fi and Horror Society. 
um i forgot to mention that but yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> if they've seen the first episode of this season the right they seen, seen <laughs> the first episode <laughs> so was hardcore or henry any good hawkhand is very good it's like um basically a first person kingsman oh nice oh it's shoot this pure... came out in 2015 so like same year yes pure violence oh it's amazing yeah dang that was okay i guess it had its uh toronto international film festival release in 2015 and then wide release april 2016 okay yeah was it that long ago that's wild yeah i wasn't seen it quite soon after came out then yeah i'm i'm kind of angry that it's taken me this long to watch it now (laughs) (laughs) oh you should uh, but yeah, we got like this super dramatic ending to like uh, that original 355's um, mission. And it's like you, because like she's at like the mercy of um, this enemy spy who has like a sword, but then she's like able to like kick it upward and like uh, it kind of cuts away and we see like the shadow of the dude's head flying away so oh yeah i love that <laughs> yeah <laughs> i don't like when they leave it to the imagination though it's like sometimes you just want to see it <laughs> yeah i mean they just need to like show blood and guts right yeah yeah <laughs> yeah but unfortunately this movie was rated pg-13 because i guess they wanted more people to see it or something yeah, um, I feel like they tried to have a Charlie's Angels thing and just turn it down a bit. But I think Charlie's Angels was 15 or something. All right, yeah. Yeah. I did kind of get that vibe. Like, this kind of feels like a Charlie's Angels kind of vibe, but not as campy, I didn't feel. Because yeah. I've, only, I've only seen the two live-action movies, I think, of Charlie's Angels. Yeah, this feels a little more serious. Yeah. So we cut to the present and we're introduced to like all the different spies. Uh, one of them, uh, played by Jessica Chastain, uh, is a CIA agent. So, you know, American. Uh, her name is Mason Brown, but her nickname is Mace. It was kind of weird how she explains that like she chose that nickname after watching the Ewok movies with... <laughs> With the character Mace Tawani. <laughs> or that she's going to be chucked out of a window of <laughs> yeah, my like, story and survive. <laughs> yeah, like like they have these moments throughout the movie where she's near a window and it's like, oh, is is this or like Simon Kimberg's tip of the hat to Star Wars? Is that what's yeah. going on? <laughs> but like there's a scene where she gets defenestrated uh, through the window and like that was... It was like super dramatic and slow motion. It's like, uh, I guess it's just the destiny of any mace to go through out a window. <laughs> <laughs> I did, I did like the slow motion in that though, like harking back to the three hundred. <laughs> <laughs> Man, can, can we just take a moment and talk about how like the color palette for three hundred? kind of sucks like like i get that it's supposed to be gritty and it kind of works for that but i hate when they use that aesthetic for like other movies you know yeah it only worked well in 300 right (laughs) (laughs) like people copy and it's like i know what you're trying to do it's not working (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's the complete opposite of anakin saying it's working it's working (laughs) It's not working. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we also have another Star Wars connection. Uh, Lapita Nyong'o plays Khadija, a former MI6 agent who's really good with uh, computers. Uh, she played Maz Kanata in Star Wars. She did? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did not realize that. Right. But given that it's a really small character with like makeup and everything yeah like she doesn't <laughs> look exactly like her character from star wars <laughs> i'd be surprised if she did yeah 
I'm surprised she fit in that costume. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, surprised, I'm surprised she could play Masconada and then also play in Black Panther. <laughs> right, and like you'd also see her in Us, right? Yeah, yeah, and I mean Us U.S. A coincidence? I don't know, but <laughs> I think um, not. <laughs> uh, yeah, I need to see Us. That's like a one of Jordan Peele. Very good. Movies. Yeah, it's very Get Out. Yeah, I've seen Get Out. Um, I think I've told this story on the podcast, but I don't think I've told you this story. So back when I was studying abroad and like a- attending the Sci-Fi and Horror Society uh, events in person, uh, on my birthday, like I ended up having to be the tiebreaker because uh, like during the final three, like I wasn't sure what to vote for, and everyone else voted, and so. It it was a, like a three way tie between Get Out, Saw, and Old Boy, and Ooh. yeah, and when everyone realized that I needed to break the tie, like I I think Ted was there and he looked at me and was like, you know what you have to vote for or something like that, and, and I was like, well, I love Saw, but I've seen it and I'm really curious about Get Out, so I'll vote for that. And like, uh, we were all like very like thrilled by the movie and i was surprised by like how um it was also part comedy but like since it's jordan peele like i guess i should have kind of expected that but it was very well done yeah it's very dark um some recent film i think came out on netflix like i think it was last year it's called his house and and it gives me kind of get out vibes as well it's it's very psychological it's like very weird. Yeah, I've never heard of this one, but yeah, it's shown me that his house is on Netflix. Yeah, I'd recommend it. It's like uh, these uh, African people come over to England, and then and then like they get given a um, they're given a house, and then like so they're like passed on the um, on the boat that got them over. It all haunts them. And it's really weird. And even um, Matt Smith's in it. So you got oh, that going. So Doctor Who himself. Yeah, he's in it. Because, <laughs> you know, Doctor Who is the name of the monster and the scientist's name is Frankenstein's doctor. <laughs> Who? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that made no sense whatsoever. But yeah. No, it did not. <laughs> Uh, and, and we also got Diane Kruger as Marie, who is a German agent. Uh, Penelope Cruz plays Graciela. Right, so she's a Colombian psychologist. Uh, she also has two kids. Um, and so that kind of raises the stakes when, like, there are moments where she's like, I'm not sure if I should do this. I have kids at home. And it's like, you kind of rooting for her and hoping that she doesn't die because, like, you know, she has a family and whatnot. Yeah, I, I didn't really like that part of her character, to be honest. Oh, you didn't? No, because I was... Because you, you see a female ensemble. You want you want it to be like a male ensemble movie, like what the, the Expendables or something like that. And obviously they just don't care in those type of movies. And then obviously when it's a woman, it's like, oh, they have to be their mother. They have to care about their children. It takes away from it all, really. Huh. Yeah, because I know in The Expendables, it's kind of just like, you know, 80s action hero type of people. Um, well, yeah, because they're all in there. Yeah, and I feel like, I mean, it's been forever since I've seen, well, I've seen the first two, I think. It's been forever since I've seen them, but I remember they weren't, like, very serious from what I remember. But I do kind of see what you mean about like the family thing like you can do a female ensemble movie without that connection like i thought birds of prey did it pretty well. yeah yeah but the the acting in that was horrendous oh and birds of prey <laughs> yeah oh i actually loved the acting in that movie oh <laughs> <laughs> i watched it and i was like i only liked um margot robbie yeah i only like margot robbie's acting in it everyone else was like I don't really feel it. 
Uh, I, I mean, I I thought everyone did a pretty good job. It's my favorite uh, DC EU movie. Um, I know that doesn't say much, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would I would like to disagree. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, DC. What? Wait, I butchered that. Well, agree to disagree. <laughs> <laughs> we would, yeah, we would DC agree. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and we also got Fang Bingbing as Lin Mi Shang, who is a Chinese agent, and she's like really quick with the gun. Like it's really impressive the amount of people she's able to shoot within that like one minute shootout scene. Yeah, it's it, yeah, it it harkens back to John Wick and. Like I'm given these people haven't had the um experience of what um I don't know John Wick <laughs> Keanu Reeves because Keanu Reeves gets training for his stuff and yeah, I'm I glad mean, that Keanu they Reeves training. just is John Wick so yeah <laughs> yeah yeah I was I'm happy that they gave them training time because it really really shows off in that scene. Right, and Sebastian Stan, uh, the Winter Soldier himself, plays Nick, who is, like, Mace's friend in the CIA. What did you think of his supporting role in this? I'm glad it wasn't, like, um, Hemsworth's character in the Ghostbusters remake. <laughs> I'm just so glad it wasn't like that, because he was oh, It just was horrible. <laughs> right, I mean... <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah, I, Chris Hemsworth's <laughs> character in that was pointless. <laughs> I mean, the movie wasn't great. I thought moments here and there of uh, that Ghostbusters movie were kind of funny. Um, and I ended up thinking it was like middle of the road and not as bad as most people seem to say it was. But it could have been better. And I do kind of get what you mean about Hemsworth kind of being... Uh, cringeworthy at times in that movie. Yeah, he was just there to be comic relief, and he wasn't a relief at all. Right, I've seen him do better comic relief in Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> well, yeah, but you have Taika Waititi directing that, so... Yeah. Um. So, yeah, we have these different agents from different countries, and uh, when Maze suggests the idea of... Because they're going up against this, like, threat on the internet that's like trying to take down all of civilization with the top secret weapon and so they decide to team up and mace suggests calling themselves the 355 and they have like this rather funny um debate of like wait a minute why do we have to use a number that is so american why can't we use something that like is more global (laughs) yeah like I was going to say, like, the Nano thing, also, um, the TV show. Was it Nano 5210, whatever the hell that show called? Oh, Nano 210. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I almost said 90125, but that's a Yes album. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, But, yeah, it is kind of weird that they go with, like, this number that is so specifically American. Like, I get that it's an American movie, but I kind of wonder if they could have thought of, like, a a more universal number. Um, also, given that this was distributed by Universal. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is still American-centric. Like, I thought you thought they'd be more inclusive, you know? <laughs> yeah, like, what the hell? <laughs> What's up, America? <laughs> yeah, you gotta sort your shit out. <laughs> they have these really cool gadgets. Like they're they have like jewelry that has like cameras or could also explode if they like throw it. And th- they even have like this um pen gun. Like it's a pen <laughs> that is shaped like a penguin, but it can also be used <laughs> as a gun. <laughs> Yeah, it was like Johnny English. Oh, it was amazing. <laughs> like, like I just kind of like it's the scene when, um, one one of their secretaries just comes in and is like, "Look, here we have all of your arsenal. Here's the arsenal." And then yes, let's give you a a pen which has a penguin on the end, and then yeah, you just flick the penguin, 
and then it literally transforms into a gun, and you're like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> and then someone fires off mistake by mistake. And it's like, oh, silly. Yeah, they're trying to like, inject some of that humor with that misfiring. <laughs> Uh, which Johnny English movies have you seen? I've only seen the first two. I've seen all of them. Okay. All three, yeah. Yeah, I need to see the third one at some point. I, I remember in the second one, um, well, well, for those that don't know, Johnny English is kind of like James Bond, but funny, and also not Austin Powers or Kingsman. Um, and not sexist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, I'd have to watch again to see for sure, but yeah, Rowan Atkinson's in it, and uh, I remember in the second movie, like, in the beginning, like, when he returns to, like, the agency or whatever, uh, he looks at the guy, and he's like, Simon, hi, and they, like, look at each other as if, like, they've known each other for a long time, but it's like, (laughs) wait a minute, this guy was in the first movie, am I supposed to remember who he was, or are they just, like... Forcing this connection between the two. Yeah, did feel a bit forced there. Yeah, I couldn't tell if it was intentionally supposed to look forced or if it just ended up being that way. Um, But yeah, yeah, Rowan Atkinson is hilarious. Yeah, if you haven't seen the Mr. Bean stuff, you have to. Oh yeah, I've seen all the live-action Mr. Bean stuff. Haven't seen the animated stuff, but... Oh, that's very good. Yeah, and I've also seen <laughs> Black Adder, which is hilarious. Yes, and the epitome of Ron Atkinson is his London 2012 performance. In the Olympics? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's that's got to be canon to the Mr. Bean universe, right? <laughs> yeah, the alien Mr. Bean. <laughs> yeah, like, is Mr. Bean actually an alien? Have they ever confirmed that? Or is that just because of the intro? Yeah, I think just because he just comes down from space. And you're like, oh, this guy must be an alien. Right, yeah, he's... But I don't think it's specifically stated. Yeah, he's pretty weird, so... <laughs> I mean, he doesn't speak, so that kind of raises the point right. of why does he know how to speak? Well, he does... Uh, I do remember he speaks in the movies a couple of times. Um, I can't remember if he speaks in the TV show itself, but um, he does speak occasionally, I guess. Yeah. In the second movie, um, Mr. Bean's Holiday, he does say to the beach uh, when he explains to people where he's going. And in the first uh, Mr. Bean movie, there's a moment where he has to give a lecture and his friend is like really nervous about that. But then he's able to like actually give it without like any problem. Like he does pause every now and then, like as one might, um, if they're lecturing about something they don't know anything about. But I feel like he's done it they did it long enough to learn yeah. <laughs> by that point. Right. Uh but speaking of English stuff. Uh, they have all this stuff to sort out in London because, you know, Lupita Nyong'o's character, like, with her tech wizardry, uh, finds out about this, like, ballroom where, like, the the internet terrorist threat, like, some of their members are, like, meeting there secretly, and it's like, she's like, yo, we have to do something about this. And so, what'd you think of the ballroom scene here? I did feel like they copied Die Hard in that scene because they had a helicopter come out and start firing inside the ballroom. And I was like, hmm, I've seen this scene before. (laughs) (laughs) It was was very well, so much action in that scene. I feel obligated now to ask if you think Die Hard is a Christmas movie or not. It is definitely a Die Hard movie. It's set in... One and two were set during Christmas. Right. <laughs> so yes, they indeed are Christmas movies. Right. I, I kind of wish that they weren't set around Christmas, because like, even if I may agree that they could be Christmas movies, I'm tired of hearing people debate about it. So <laughs> in my head, I'm like thinking, 
setting Die Hard around Christmas was a mistake. <laughs> but it keeps it in the pop culture. Everyone says, oh, Die Hard's the best Christmas movie. So it probably adds to the mystery of Die Hard. Right. And I'm just disappointed that the sixth Die Hard movie is called McLean instead of Old Habits Die Hard. Like, <laughs> like it just feels like they're trying to copy John Wick or Jason. Wait, Bourne. is that actually a sixth one? Uh, yeah, it's, uh, I think it's still in development. Um, I did not know that. Yeah, because they, they, they tend to take a while to make. Yeah, it's like 10 years between the third and the fourth one. All right. Oh, apparently last year there was like a two-minute commercial called... Yeah, Die yeah, I've Hard. seen that. <laughs> Die Hard is back. I haven't seen that. <laughs> it's like two minutes. It's very short. Yeah, I'm trying to look up what this says about... Uh, okay, I'll I'll just look it up later. Yeah, I, I did think that helicopter moment was pretty cool, but it did feel too familiar. Uh, like, in the moment, I couldn't place where I had seen it. I just thought to myself, yeah, this is kind of a cliche thing that happens in some action movies sometimes. <laughs> yeah, it did feel quite cliche. Yeah, and they do the thing where, like, the helicopter blades uh, are, like, about to slice someone up, and then the camera cuts away, so... That- that it leaves it to the imagination. <laughs> yeah, there's quite a lot that was like, oh, come on. Yeah. Yeah, as you said, it is a, it's a PG-13, so they can't, they have to take some liberties. What'd you think of, like, all the other stuff that they did in London, like, during the chase after this? Yeah, the chase, the car chase scenes, any chase scene in London, it's just perfect, because you can go all around the sites and all the drifting. Oh, I loved it. Like, yeah, they, they, the had, they had minis. Drifting. <laughs> yeah, they had like mini, so it was like a mini drifting. <laughs> yeah, and they had Mace in the driver's seat, and since so she's American, she forgot that like the side of the road that you drive on is the reverse <laughs> in England. Yes, yeah, so she just she was just yeah, narrowly really missing the other people driving. Yeah, and what like Marie uh, asked her to pull over so that she can drive, and like it's smoother that way, but. Since it's a car chase scene, they still have to like drive on sidewalks and stuff to like get to their enemies. <laughs> and yeah, the pavements. <laughs> oh, is that? Oh, right, because yeah, we're in London. You don't call them sidewalks <laughs> in there. Yeah, and this is set in London, so you know, it's <laughs> the pavements. <laughs> right? How dare I? <laughs> Cultural appropriation. <laughs> How dare I refer to them as pants instead of trousers? Yeah, how dare you? You wear them on the inside, not the outside. (laughs) Yeah, uh, that reminds me. In the scene where they decide to take a lunch break during... They say that they're going to get bagels and chips, and there's that moment where Mace thinks that they mean chips, as in, like, um, I guess what English people uh, call crisps, right? Um, yeah, so the yeah, the potato crisps. Yeah, but like it ends up being chips, as in what we Americans refer to as fries. So, yeah, fries are the skinny ones, chips are the thick ones. Yeah, I- I'm not getting them mixed up in my head just thinking about <laughs> it. <It's> like, <laughs> yeah, you have you have the chips, which are the fat fat ones. They get with um, fish and chips, and then you get the fries, which you get from. Like Burger King or whatever. Oh, yeah, like the super thin ones. Yeah. And now a word from our sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by Burger... No, it isn't. We don't have sponsors. (laughs) Burger King fit lettuce. (laughs) (laughs) And I saw that um, I like the little... um, They had a little um, sponsorship there. Because, obviously, Mace is America, that she got some... New York bagels. If they also use like the bagel as a metaphor for like, it's like this real weird moment where they're talking about how the bagel is whole, but there's like an opening within, and like it's compared to like the internet where like uh, you might have a firewall, but there's always a way to like get through and see the other. Yeah, and side. then they start putting the finger through the middle of the bagel, 
and then obviously the obviously um, Nick is the comic relief here, <laughs> as we all know. Right. It was like you do realize you're doing something else to that bagel. <laughs> yeah, Nick, and they like look at Nick with a stern <laughs> look and throw the bagel <laughs> at his face. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, and that, and then, and that blows yeah. their cover. <laughs> yeah, and then because like they're they're like some enemy spies also at this bagel shop, and they notice like a bagel being thrown, and they're like, "Wait, that's them!" And they go into like another chase. Yeah, and the chase leads into the bank where there's a bank heist going on. Yeah, it, it's weird because like they're doing their thing with like this uh, evil organization, and they all collide like in this bank where some separate third group is doing its own bank heist type of thing. It's almost like they're walking into another movie that's going on. <laughs> yeah, somebody's trying to forgot there's some film filming going on. <laughs> yeah. Cause you got like all these other actors there, like uh, Jason Wong, Emilio and Solera, Hiten Patel, Leo Starr and Oleg. Krikunova, um, and they're like playing these like bank heist people, and, and they're there just for that scene. <laughs> it was a very big scene, though. It was like it was like one of the very dramatic scenes because obviously one of um, one of the agents gets injured, and it's the harrowing moment where you think only one of these people is going to die from this chance encounter. But no, she pulls through. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was uh, Graciela in that moment, and it's because you know she's the one with the family, and it's yeah. like, oh, of course it would put her in that situation. Um, and she does have an ally, like another Colombian agent named Luis, who's played by Edgar Ramirez, and he kind of helps them get more info on like where um, this like terrorist organization will strike next because like he's heard rumblings from uh people like in his neck of the woods and so they're able to like find them like off the coast of colombia and they do like this like boat chase type of thing yeah the boat chase was very fun they had like boat stunts they had um because they were busy um, interrupting some people who were just doing some stunts, you know, there's those the ramps. So they had to go over some ramps, and they had like one boat, one of the other boat, and then the anchor got caught on one of the boats, and then oh, brilliant! Yeah, and then of course they have to do the um, ob- obligatory like swim under the water to save one of the agents from drowning type of thing. Oh, yes, because Yanka got caught onto the leg. Yeah. And, like, I thought this was... It it had kind of a pirate feel to it. Like, just replace the cannons with the guns, and it just feels like, you know, pirates going at it type of thing. (laughs) Even even though these are, like, smaller boats than, like, a full-on pirate ship. Yeah, but they could have had, like, just a pilot ship come out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of wondered if this was, like, a shout-out to Penelope Cruz being in the fourth Pirates of the Caribbean movie. <laughs> yeah, and then she just starts, like, swinging for the, for the masts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's like, I'm the captain now. <laughs> right. Harking back to Captain Phillips. Oh yeah, the, yeah, that one was based on a true story, and yeah, the, they also like because you know the boat has a flag on it, so they try like um, put all of them together. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, they like put because like they each carry like um like a fabric that resembles the respective flags of their nations and they decide to like stitch them together as this one flag as like a to show that they're united and it's it kind of looks cool but it's also kind of i mean i guess like it kind of feels like they didn't need to go through all the effort of doing that just for that 
for the sake of that bonding moment. Yeah, yeah, they had the they had a really weird arts and crafts bit where they were like taking all their flags and trying to put it together with glue and glitter. I was like, yo, this isn't <laughs> Yeah, and using like scissors and needles, which to be fair do come in handy later on in like the other fight scenes. <laughs> yeah. It was a bit it's a bit out of touch, I feel. Yeah, but anyway, so they make it to their next destination, which happens to be a castle once again. We love castles. Yeah. <laughs> um, and of course, since it's a castle, um, there ends up being like these medieval type of weapons they're able to pick up. And like, it's kind of cool, but also like, yeah, I don't know. How would you feel about them like coming across these like medieval-looking weapons? I was just hoping that they'd actually use them properly, but obviously they couldn't. So they ended up using the bat, the the butts of the weapons instead of the actual weapons. Right, because it's PG thirteen. Yeah, so they kept like knocking them out, and I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah, and they even like use a chair on someone. <laughs> yeah, and it breaks up, and then they have like they start stabbing them with the chair legs. Yeah, and, and they they end up uh, meeting up with like the leader of this like enemy organization, um, Larry Marks, who's played by John Douglas Thompson, and he goes into like this a uh, really long monologue about how like the world deserves to, like, suffer from this top-secret weapon that they have. But, uh, like, as cool as his voice sounded, I felt like it was a bit much. Like, what, uh, but, I don't know, what did you think of the monologue? It felt a bit unnecessary. Like, we got his... Um, we got his point across throughout the, throughout the movie, like, where the head bits and pieces were, like, in between the action scenes, they go back to him and see what he's planning and all that. So it felt like it didn't really need to do that. Right. It's kind of there just for the exposition and to explain what the weapon does. And I was actually kind of surprised with the choice they went with for the weapon, but I don't know if you felt the same way. What, you mean the virus load? (laughs) Yes, the... The, like, computer virus that if it infects your computer, it'll also infect your body if you touch the computer. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it goes from the computer to you. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> and they had to get a scientist person to explain it, which kind of took the fun away from it. Yeah, it does kind of, like, deflate the momentum of it, because it's like, couldn't you just, like, I don't know, maybe come across... Um, some files or something that explain it. I, I don't know, but I don't know what better way they could have done it, but uh, the weapon itself is like, whoa, how, how do they do that, actually? Like, how realistic is this movie supposed to be? It's very unique. It was very unique. Yeah, and I mean, it, like, on paper, it does sound pretty smart because, you know, people always use computers, like, in this day and age. So... Like, might as well do something with that if you're, like, this um, super villain type of person who's, like... Yeah, it's a bit, like... It's a bit of the happening, but not like the happening. Oh, yeah, I still need to see the happening. (laughs) 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 Like, the society almost watched it (laughs) recently. Oh, it was psych-wise. Yeah, but instead it was Independence Day. (laughs) It wasn't bad. But it wasn't good either. Uh, I mean, I really like it, but... <laughs> like, <laughs> it's probably what Ted would describe as a cheeseburger movie, right? Yeah, exactly. Just, like, just eat and not care. <laughs> so, I mean, this is kind of a tangent, but is popcorn movie a phrase over there as well? Or is it just cheeseburger movie over there? Or is that a Ted thing? I think it's just a Ted thing. Okay. I don't really hear of popcorn movies. Okay, because over here we say popcorn movies for, like, I guess blockbusters where you can just turn your brain off or whatever. That's the impression I get, but I don't know for sure. I I just call them dumb fun. 
fair. Which is basically everything I I like, really. <laughs> I just love some dumb fun in my life. Yeah, I'll have to ask Ted what, if there's, like, a difference between, like, a cheeseburger movie and a hamburger movie, if that's even a thing. What? Ha- hamburger? Isn't that basically just a cheeseburger with no cheese? Yeah, so would it be, like, a less cheesy, dumb, fun movie? Yeah, it's just not as good as um, Deadpool. <laughs> yeah, Deadpool's hilarious. Deadpool's very cheesy. <laughs> right, but but it's like on purpose and it's executed very yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. The fourth wall breaks were amazing. <laughs> but speaking of cheesiness, I thought it was rather cheesy when, like, you know, the 5355 agents are like <laughs> that's, that's, that's a mouthful <laughs> yeah a, a mouthful of cheeseburger <laughs> um, when they're doing like this a speech where they're like basically trying to take the high ground and they're like you will never stop us because you are bad you are you will always lose and they're like finishing each other's sentences and it's like too, it feels too perfect that they would finish each other's sentences in this way just to get and get their point across. Yeah, it, it should have gone like um, Frozen did it. It's like you fin you finish each other's sandwiches. Oh yeah, th- I think they actually <laughs> got that from Arrested Development. Oh, did they? Yeah, because <laughs> they say that a lot in Arrested Development, and that came first. Oh, okay. Yeah. I've not seen that show. Oh, the the first four seasons are hilarious. Uh, the fourth one might not be as funny as the first three. Um, I probably enjoyed it more than the average person. And I thought that when they um, re-edited the order of season four, uh, that it didn't work as well as the original edit. And then season five was pretty disappointing to me. So, Is it like um, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia? Um, because I haven't seen that either. So, but I just wanna... so, I've, so I've seen several episodes of It's Always Sunny, and I, I feel like overall the show isn't really for me. Whereas Arrested Development, I really like how it's just like the jokes are just nonstop, and you have like recurring gags and stuff that appears like at the beginning and then shows up like at the end as like a a brick joke. Um. And it's like it's really well executed when it's at its best. Yeah, I'll probably get around to it eventually. It's just there's so many seasons of these things. Right. Well, it's this is hard. Well, it's only five for this one. Like there are other shows that have gone on longer, and for this one, there are only five. Yeah, because for um, Always Sunny, there's like fifteen seasons. <laughs> wow, that's too much. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I, I know that Supernatural isn't a sitcom, but that had, like, um, 15 seasons, I think. Oh, God. Yeah, 15. Um, I haven't really watched, watched much CW stuff, but it's um, called um, Superman and... Um, oh, Superman and Lois? Yeah. Yeah, that... Then if... <laughs> yeah, it's... So, like, the CW stuff I for DC, I do keep up with it, but I am aware that some of it is pretty cheesy and sometimes melodramatic. Like, I feel like some of the episodes of the shows could be easily edited down to, like, half the runtime if they just take out some of the, like, melodrama and cheesiness that goes on for too long. Uh, I do love Legends of Tomorrow for embracing the cheesiness. Um, so <laughs> I always wanted to watch Arrow. I don't know if you like that one. Yeah, I do like it. Um, well, like I feel like any of these shows have had their ups and downs over the years, and it's like it's weird because I've been watching them since they premiered. So like when Arrow premiered, that was like in 2012, and I've been keeping up with all the shows since then. And, but now it's like, like it. It's kind of weird to think about like people who haven't like been there for a while. Like how daunting would it feel to get into 
all of these shows and would it be easy to find a viewing order or something like that yeah it's like um um you know marvel has um agents of shield yeah i find it's hard to try to watch that because how it intertwines with the mcu yeah it intertwines with the mcu for the first three seasons i want to say and then it becomes kind of its own thing and then the end of season five mentions it, it like references infinity war but then season six uh which takes place right after doesn't feel like it's right after infinity war, which is weird. And then season seven has time travel. So like, I, I don't think they've explained um, the timelines and stuff like that, but it does kind of feel like at a point, Marvel studios and Marvel television became two different things that didn't like interface with each other as well but thankfully the disney plus stuff is doing a good job of that and it helps that that's by marvel studios you haven't seen hopefully one divisions come come out recently i've not watched that but the streamings i have watched for marvel has been the netflix marvel shows those have been incredible yeah daredevil is my favorite live action marvel show I do feel that some of those Netflix shows went on, like, the episodes would go on too long, like, they'd be 50 minutes or 60 minutes, and it's kind of like, it's, I feel like it's a problem that's specific to Netflix as a streaming service, where, like, they'll have these shows that are dramas, and they feel like they can just extend it each episode longer than they need to be, and it kind of makes them drag sometimes. Um, so I do like it when stuff like Disney Plus makes episodes like just 30 or 40 minutes. I do, I do like the 60 minute run times of each episode though. Like when, when it comes to The Mandalorian, I was quite annoyed when you'd go from like a 50 minute episode to 30. And it's like, do you really need to make it that short compared to the others? Oh, see, with Mandalorian, I thought they did it perfectly because they're only giving runtime like as much runtime as they feel that they need for each yeah. episode um a couple episodes here and there could have been better just in terms of the writing but overall i've loved how they've handled the runtime yeah it felt a bit short in places but yeah i still enjoyed the mandalorian yeah but anyway how did we get here <laughs> <laughs> um i think we're talking about um oh yeah. Supernatural stuff, and then... Yeah, oh, so... Okay, so here's... Uh, so we did the, like, finishing each other's sentences thing, and then that went to Frozen, yeah. and then Arrested Development, and then yeah. Sunny, <laughs> and Supernatural, then, uh... uh yeah, all that other Arrow stuff. And yeah. Then, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but, yeah, so they do the speech, and that's supposed to, like, ramp up for this, like, triumphant moment where they all, like, attack at the same time and they're using like the the like necklace bombs um and so they're like explosions left and right and uh what'd you think of like this final fight confrontation sort of thing i think they lived up to what they wanted to do yeah well like even though there are like some steps here and there throughout the movie where it's kind of head-scratching moments. Uh, I feel like this felt like a moment that made me want to cheer, but, like, I didn't cheer because, like, no one else in the theater was cheering and I didn't want to, like, make too much noise. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it it was climactic, but I didn't really root for the characters, like, as I thought I would. Like, like, they had some character development, but I feel like it could have been done better. Yeah, I mean, there was some good acting here and there. Like, Lupita Nyong'o, how she was able to, like, shed a tear when things are seeming hopeless. I thought she did that really well. But I guess some of the, like, writing in this could have been better. And, and it's like, you're kind of more rooting for the spectacle than like the characters themselves some of the time if that makes sense yeah i did feel because one of the story people for this movie 
uh, Teresa Rubert. She she did a wonderful film in her past. She she did uh, Catwoman. <laughs> yeah, she she has a story credit on this and on Catwoman, and um, I, I feel like the the moments where where they're playing basketball in this movie, like I'm glad it didn't get as cringe worthy as it did in Catwoman. Because when they got to it, I was like, oh, please don't do the thing. And uh, thankfully, it was like, it just felt normal. Yeah, I think that's her redemption. Like, she's like, I can do a good basketball scene. Right. I'm not sure whose fault that scene was. Because, like, <laughs> I know the story for that Catwoman movie was from her and two other people. And then the screenplay was written by three people, and she's not one of them. So, like, she probably regrets having her name on the movie at all, but <laughs> probably. Yeah, it's so weird that that movie got made. For <laughs> <laughs> but apparently she also um, co-wrote the Nickelodeon movie based on Harriet the Spy. So <laughs> yeah, I've not seen that. <laughs> yeah, me neither. Like I've known <laughs> of it and of the books, but I've never like actually gone through any of them. Based on the nineteen sixty four novel, <laughs> old yeah, book. yeah, no, I've not seen that. Right, okay. The one bit about this movie at the end, though, was that they had a funeral for the um, the CIA colleague. Oh, Nick. Yeah. Yeah, poor old Sebastian Stan, who like sacrificed his life. Yeah, the end. I feel like it was, it was very good of him to, to do that to keep it a all female thing in the next movie. Right. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not sure. Quite, quite a... <laughs> like, like, it did kind of have that vibe of, like, yeah, the 355 will go on, but I wasn't sure if they were for sure setting up a sequel or if they're, like, the story goes on forever. But, but like, if there does end up being a sequel, it's like, what would they call it? Like, the 3552? Or, like, what would they call it? It'd be 2355. <laughs> three five five squared it'd be like yeah two three five five not two three five five <laughs> three five five two but spell like t-o-o -O. oh no <laughs> or do it like t-o like it's in dumb and dumber too <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> earth Three five five to the max. I don't know. Like <laughs> the THX thing, the, the cow. <laughs> <laughs> Vaguely familiar. Yeah, with this guy. Was it some some robot has that cow thing where you turn it upside down and it makes the cow noise? You have not seen that. <laughs> I'm not sure if I have. I was a staple in cinemas back in the day. Uh, yeah, because I am familiar with the THX logo and the sound it makes, and I vaguely remember maybe someone used that, but with a cow at some point. But I don't know. Yeah, probably. Uh, but overall, uh, who who did you think was the most valuable player in this movie? Like, who was the MVP player? I would <laughs> say it was... Um, Khadija basically because she was English, <laughs> she, she, she did the best job, she was the most level headed, like she knew what she was doing, yeah. With like all the computer skills and like just all around, she was probably the best acted in this movie, yeah. But then Pen Penelope Cruz's character because she's the one that's a, that's a psychologist, like, why do you need that on a special agent team? Right. Like you you would keep them back in like the base or whatever on comms, but no, she's in the field, and it just didn't feel like she wanted to be there. Right, because there are moments where members of the team are like not sure how well they're doing mentally, and it's it's like she's kind of there for like these mental health check moments, but <laughs> it's like like I don't know, like maybe they could have done more with her, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, like maybe about some interrogations or something. Right. Uh, 
the interrogation scene was pretty funny, but it was kind of that cliche of like both the characters wanted to be the bad cop. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty cheesy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which of the action sequences was your favorite? Um, I'll go with the boat scene. The, the boats are my favorite. Yeah, I, I think for me, it might have been um, like the bank scene just because of how bonkers it was. <laughs> you made no sense. Like, it's just all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> and then the bank teller even revealed that like she had like a weapon and was like fi- firing like like she had a nail gun and was like using it. I was like, where'd she get that from? Yeah, the the Joker cameo was a bit weird as well. Yeah, like someone was wearing Joker makeup because like they're in the bank heist <laughs> and they thought it would be cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they got they got killed because of that. So certain right, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, I guess we'll go into our final thoughts and scores out of ten uh, for this movie. Uh, so Greg, what are your final thoughts and score out of 10? And like, you can choose a unit of measurement for like the number out of 10. I, I, I like the film. It was a good female ensemble movie, better than most that have come out recently. So I'm going to give it, um, 10 out of 10 failed Ghostbuster reboots. <laughs> wow. That's a really high <laughs> score. <laughs> <laughs> just because it's based on the Ghostbuster reboot <laughs> <laughs> like, like you're comparing it against that and it did better yeah yeah, it's like 10 times better <laughs> <laughs> yeah I don't know like this was very entertaining and like it was like really all over the place and that was fun sometimes but I also felt like some of the goofiness was not what the movie was being marketed as. And while I did enjoy some of that, I kind of felt like I like I connected with some of the characters, but not to the extent that I was hoping to. Uh, and like, you know, comparing it against something like the King's Man, I think it was definitely better than the second Kingsman movie. Uh, this might be almost as good as the king's man i guess i kind of give that one the edge because it of the like how it handled the world war one stuff uh but the 355 i thought was pretty entertaining and like i'd watch it again um so overall i think i'd give this uh 266.25 266.25 out of 355. <laughs> Which is to say 7.5 out of 10 bagels. <laughs> New York bagels. Yeah, with, with cream cheese and like Philadelphia cream French cheese. Sponsored onion. by Philadelphia cream cheese. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I guess that'll do it. Um, so Greg, um, thanks for joining me on this episode. Where can people find your, well, I guess the society, if that's what you want to plug again. Yeah. Uh, you can find the society probably, you probably put in the description right here. You'll put, yeah. you'll put the discord link. Yeah. So yeah, we, we have a discord and then you can also just search us up on Facebook and we'll, will be there as well yeah so you can just search university of sussex sci-fi and horror society and it's pretty easy to find um and yeah it's always fun watching movies and talking movies so yeah thanks again um as for my plugs you can find me at steven schinder on instagram and twitter steven schinder storytelling on facebook uh, my fantasy horror comedy novel, Lemons on My Brain, is on Amazon. More info on that at stephenschinder.com. And if you would like to email the podcast, you can email delayedreplaypodcast at gmail.com. Tell us if you agree or disagree with our thoughts on some of these movies, um, or share your thoughts on any other random movie, I guess. Um, 
I am also on another podcast called Star Trek Culture, doing a rewatch of the original series, as well as porting the Star Trek news. Uh, you can find that over at the YouTube channel Culture Slate. I'm also writing and editing for them, so cultureslate.com is where you can find some stuff. And next episode after this one will be on Coming to America. Uh, so that's <laughs> yeah, it's a sequel to Coming to America, but they replace the word two with the number two. Yeah, it's too good to be true. <laughs> <laughs> I have a friend who once said, that's too true to be good. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think this, that's the way you should say it. Oh. <laughs> and, it's too true to be good. Yeah. What? No. <laughs> <laughs> and Good Burger also had like a a book sequel called Good Burger Two Go, like back in the late nineties. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, without further delay, have a good day.